What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Long Shots, VEASAN's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin. Hello and welcome to VEASAN's Long Shots. It is a Monday edition of the podcast. Postmortem from the U.S. Open. Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds coming to you. Real quick here before we do a Traveler's Preview on Tuesday, Wes, I do want to Congratulate you on being right in the mix there uh, at the very end of this one. Fortunately, Wyndham Clark got home for me on this one, but another tournament in which we had the thing surrounded. And, you know, listen, I'm I'm pretty pleased with our process so far this year. Listen, we hadn't won. We hadn't won them all, but we've been real close in a whole lot of these things. And I, I feel good about kind of where we are as a podcast between me, you and Kelly with figuring out what's important at these different tournaments, figuring out which guys present betting value for us and and trying to get those guys on our cards and, and putting ourselves in a situation to make some money. Yeah, good call by you on uh, Wyndham Clark. And I felt a deserved champion. Look, uh, Rory McIlroy never made the putts and never could make a move on him. And it was kind of like, okay, when is Wyndham Clark maybe going to make a mistake? He did in the final couple holes, but he was already with the lead, but was able to recover. But Look, uh, Wyndham Clark, and I only played him on a placement market because I just felt he is one of the bigger hitters on the tour, so he's going to be able to drive with these wide fairways, and he certainly did. Rory McIlroy was the best in the field. Strokes off the tee, but you look at what Clark did. uh, uh, Best for total strokes gain. He was up there in putting. He was number one in scrambling, so... You know, when guys are number one in these stat categories, Rory was also number one in uh, greens and regulation, they're going to be at the top of the field. And, uh, you know, Wyndham Clark, I felt safe for a couple, a couple of those approach shots stayed composed and stayed in the moment and was able to recover. Uh, Rory wasn't able to make a move. Ricky Fowler, we had also, you know, I think that was a byproduct of a guy maybe just that hadn't been in the mix in a while to win. Mm-hmm. And I think it probably mm-hmm. kind of got to him a little bit. You could see, he, he wasn't releasing. He was kind of hanging on in his swing on Sunday. And a lot of his shots, his approaches uh, were very, very short. 
So I think that was just a byproduct of, you know, Ricky, uh, you know, haven't been in the mix all year. He's been putting together top 10s, top 20s, and been very consistent. But there's something to that when you don't have that recency of scar tissue of being like right in the mix. So I think if you're a Ricky Fowler backer, fan, partisan, whatever term you want to use, you should take positive from oh, this, yeah. even though he did not win. I, I He's closer than he's been in about three years. So uh, uh, credit to all those guys. Wyndham Clark essentially locks up his spot on the Ryder Cup team later this fall in Rome. Uh, he's going to qualify on points. And look, that's two big boy events. And uh, you and I, I think we're both on him for Luell Spargo. I wasn't uh, this weekend, but that's two big time events that this guy has won. So you got to, I think, consider him a, a force. Now, does that mean he's going to go Scotty Scheffler and be in the mix every single week? Probably not. You know, very few guys mm-hmm. are doing that. But I think you got to, you know, you're looking at this guy in a different stead right now. This was not, you know, some dark horse, even though he was at a dark horse price to win a major. This guy's got some quality to him and he's got some game to him. So I think he's got some staying power. Yeah, my big takeaway here, like you said, I, I think that Wyndham Clark is is just, you know, late bloomer, but he's ascending to be one of those dudes that we have to take seriously moving forward. He drives the ball very, very well, typically has a better approach than he had in this tournament, though it didn't cost him the tournament, only gained .14 strokes on approach for the entire event, but made up for it around the green and putting, and of course off the tee where he's just a monster. But, you know, listen, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing Rory here, man. Like, look, the guy continues to put himself in the mix, and the course was very, very hard on Sunday. I know the course caught a lot of grief after the first round on on Thursday, but Wes, look, there was no way when they set this thing up that they were able to predict that the marine layer wasn't going to burn off and that it was going to be a gray day all day on Thursday, and it just kept super soft and receptive, and and everybody was scoring out there. But, you know, once once the weather... Uh, did what they thought it was going to do. This course played like they wanted it to. It played very, very tough. And, you know, you look at Rory coming out there. The one thing about this setup, I guess, if there is any sort of complaint from me, and I'm curious as to your thought here, is, you know, the way that the course played, it it wasn't like Rory could put his foot on uh, on the gas to do anything to try and catch up because the way that the course was set up, you you couldn't, the risk reward, there was no reward for the risk because at any time, mm-hmm. like if you were to try to do any of the other stuff, like you put yourself in such horrible positioning that you, you're, you're actually doing yourself a disservice by playing more aggressively. And so it, it, if there is any complaint for me from the course, I guess it would be that, 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 you know, you don't really have a ton of reward for the risk that is involved nine times out of 10. But look, I, I thought everything about the course was, was fine after the, conditions you know firmed up like they wanted it to and I thought it was a real test for a lot of these guys if you kept it in the fairway and you put it where you wanted it to you could make a birdie if you got into the rough it was very hard and guys made bogeys and I think that that is a a course for a U.S. Open that yeah it it, isn't necessarily exactly what we've seen in years past but you and I and Kelly talked about this on the pod we didn't expect it to play exactly like a U.S. Open of the past but it still was tough and it still tested these guys in every facet of their game. Yeah, I'll start with the course first. Uh, It wasn't quite Aaron Hills from a few years ago where it was like, this is the longest course ever in the U.S. Open, but it was totally dead to you have to have win to make it difficult. And, you know, Brooks Koepka ended up winning at like 16 under par. And I'm probably more old school with the U.S. Open setups anyway. I, I traditionally prefer the old school classical Northeast courses because I think that you get 
tougher conditions a lot of that time. And part of that, too, was the way that this club was set up. It didn't seem like there was a raucous atmosphere out there because the way it was set up, the fans couldn't get close to the shots. You know, like they yeah. could. It's like they're 150 yards away from where action is happening. So, and and I think a lot of that too is just the way it was set up in terms of the ticketing, where all the club members pretty much gobbled up all the tickets. There weren't a lot uh, available for the general public, uh, you know, unless you wanted to take a second mortgage uh, or something like that. But that was kind of what was a little bit disappointing. It did feel a little bit more corporate, like a corporate U S open. Whereas I feel like if you had Ricky Fowler and Rory McIlroy and Scheffler and all these guys and the competitiveness that you had on these leaderboard with a lot of big names, I felt like if this was in the Northeast, these people would have been going crazy. They'd have been going bananas for two, especially for two of the most popular players in the entire game. And speaking of one of those popular players, yeah, I don't like this narrative that I'm hearing this morning that Rory McIlroy choked. Number one, he wasn't in the final pairing and didn't have the lead. You know, like, right. give credit to Wyndham Clark for hanging on, you know, and being the co-leader after 54 holes and maintaining that lead. I don't think Rory choked. There was a couple things, you know, he could have did better. He could have actually made some putts over the weekend. And also, I felt like on his uh, on his short irons he or his irons, he was trying to play like these cut shots. And really what, what Rory, of course, is, is a natural drawer of the golf ball, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not only off the tee, but in terms of some of his approaches. And yeah, he was just he was just a little bit off on Sunday, but I don't I don't think he exactly choked because I've been seeing that all over social media. He just got beat. And sometimes that happens. Yeah, you look and I mean, it, it is it is a it is a course in which Wyndham Clark shot even par Roy McElroy, even par Scotty Sher- Like it wasn't like it was super gettable. Then you had Ricky as you know, Ricky went five over Harris English was a couple over Dustin Johnson, a couple over Xander was a couple over. I mean, this, this course, if you didn't hit fairways was really nasty out there. And that's, you know, the, the big, big thing was, is if you got into that, if you got into that Bermuda where you didn't really know how it was going to fly out of there, it was very tough to get it close and put yourself in a position to to make a birdie. And the greens were really, really fast and super, super undulated and, and tricky. And I think that this, at the end of the day, like you said, Wyndham Clark just kind of fought through, hung on, and didn't allow any of the major mistakes that that some of these other guys did to come come in and haunt him. And, and hats off to him, but also Roy. Roy didn't have a bad round. It just was It just was a guy that wasn't going to lose this tournament this week. Yeah, and and look, people from the scoring on a Sunday standpoint will obviously uh, point to Tommy Fleetwood's 63. That happens at every U.S. Open. There's yeah. always somebody early in the day that shoots a low number. So then you get the commentators like, well, there's 64 or 65 or whatever the number is out there. You know, that's a lot different during the day uh, than it is, you know, when you're in the final couple of groups. It's like it's never out there for those final groups because they're dealing with the the pressure. Look, mm. for, for Ricky Fowler yesterday, I think that was a perfect example. He kind of probably started to think, oh, my God, I'm the I'm the co-leader of the U.S. Open here going into Sunday. I shot a 62. I was the co-first round leader. And, you know, sometimes it gets into your head because you're human beings. And that's going to get into your head where you start to kind of overthink and you try to be like too perfect or you don't commit to some of those shots. You know, he wouldn't release some of those approach shots yesterday. And I think that that's what costs Ricky he ends up finishing uh, a T five. But 
yeah, I, I, I think, look, I, do, are there other course setups or other U.S. Opens that I prefer to this one? Sure. But they're, they're going to be in the rotation now, I think, uh, uh, in terms of uh, all these Gil Hans redesigns are now mm-hmm. going to feature, I think, on the, the USGA rotation. But there are some things that they could do. Uh, you know, in terms of the setup and the layout of the course, I would like the people a little bit closer to the action because I think it would have made it like a more fun event just from a television viewer standpoint yeah. to have those people like right there. And then they made the asinine decision to have nobody around for the entire tournament. And then and then for the last couple of shots, the most pressure packed shots of the entire tournament, they let everybody come and basically go up Wyndham yeah. Clark's butt, like on the on the on the yeah. damn and, on the and, putting and, green. And, it's and, like, what are you doing? You changed the entire atmosphere of the whole tournament for the most important putt of the tournament. I'm like, guys, this was a horrible decision. What are you doing? Yeah, and and look, uh, by the way, the playoff format, which they went to a few years ago, the USGA is a two-hole aggregate format. One of those holes is 18, so it's like, that doesn't seem like this is a good idea to have (laughs) these people, like, walk and, you know, you know, create a bunch more divots in the fairway yeah. if they even walk on the green. I felt it might've affected Ricky Fowler too, because he bogeys yeah. 18 and uh, I believe he needed to finish T four to get that automatic invitation to the masters next year. He ends up T five uh, at five under par. Now I think with what, the way his game is going and his official world golf ranking, if he keeps this form, he's going to be in that masters. No problem. But I'm like, yeah, even though he can't win, it's like, this is still a big deal. This is still a big putt for this guy to get an automatic master's uh, invite for 2024. And then you have all these people like right around there. Yeah. I I didn't, I didn't understand that call by the USGA. Uh, Wes, one of the things before we just do a a real brief run through here of what we're going to be previewing tomorrow. I I think one of the other, we're talking about the guys that did good, Uh, you know, listen, I think one of the things we do need to bring up here is there are a lot of people who are like, you know what? I just can't pass on on Justin Thomas at 50 to 1. You know, I got to get a Justin Thomas ticket in there at 50 to 1. Justin Thomas finishes 14 over for the tournament and obviously one of the worst performances we've ever seen out of him and Wes, you look in his second round, he was nearly dead last in every single category out there. He was inside, you know, 156 guys teed it up. Justin Thomas was 154th or or worse in three of the three or four of the different categories out there. And, you know, this is a guy that has not really been in the mix in a while. And I do think there's something kind of broken with his game. And I imagine we're going to see big numbers attached to Justin Thomas kind of moving forward. And I know it's going to be tempting to a lot of betters out there, but I, I just don't think we can really do it until we see something out of Justin Thomas that leads you to believe that he's fixed whatever is broken in his game right now. Yeah, I, I think he has got to be dealing with some kind of injury. It's rumored to be a shoulder injury, that that's probably part of it. I think there's something going on. You know, sometimes you get a mental block between the mm-hmm. ears, and maybe he has that right now. Because I was looking uh, at the uh, Ryder Cup standings uh, uh, last night, and would he be wanting, you know, he's, I think, probably you would say, okay, yeah, he's got to be a captain's pick because of his experience in the event. But would he be one of your best 12 today on the American team? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think he will so either. I don't think so either. And, and and again, like, you know, I get it. Golf is hard. You play bad sometimes. But in that second round, 
He was 144th in the field putting. Again, 156 guys in the whole tournament. 145th on approach. He was 156. Oh, dead last in the field off the tee. Dead last. There, there were there were qualifiers and amateurs and everything. He was dead last in the field off the tee. 154th tee to green. I mean, I mean, these are these are just absolutely atrocious numbers for a guy with with Justin Thomas's natural skill set. So I'm with you, man. If there's something going on, I just don't think we can really invest in him until we figure out that whatever that is that's ailing him, be it an injury, be it like a swing, you know, some sort of tick in his swing or whatever it might be. Until we get pretty good evidence that that is gone, I think you're really kind of wasting money, at least from an outright perspective, betting Justin Thomas. Uh, yeah, I remember a couple years ago at the Players Championship when he crossed that 25 to 1 threshold. And it was like, okay, this is when I'm in. And then he ends up winning the event down there at TPC Sawgrass. And now there's like a new threshold. And I, I did see some people that I respect playing him at 50 to 1. I'm like, man, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's a reason right now that he is 50 to 1. And, and, and you know, he's got he's, he's to try to figure it out soon. Uh, you know, because I think it is becoming a thing now where maybe that's not definite for, you know, for his Ryder Cup status, because there are so many players, including uh, a Wyndham Clark who emerged. Uh, Brooks Kepka is obviously going to be on the team on points. And there are so many other guys right now just on the American side that are playing better than Justin Thomas. So uh, hopefully he figures it out. I think, you know, he's one of the more popular players in the game, and I think it's good when he's playing well. When it's all said and done, Wes, everyone, you know, that was screaming about the course and jumping up and down about it, only 18 players ended up under par for the entire tournament. Uh, 156 teed it up on Thursday. Only 18 of those ended up under par for the whole gig. So, again, the course did fight back, and it was not this runaway that everyone was trying to to make it out to be. So what we do now is head to another elevated event. That does not mean we are going to have every single player in this one. We do have some people who have decided to skip out on this one. Jordan Jordan Spieth, Tyrrell Hatton, Sam Burns, Justin Rose, Chris Kirk, all have allowed, uh, opted to skip out on this one. But it's for the ma- for the vast majority, we're going to get a pretty deep field in this one. And unlike the last two weeks, Wes, at least, you know, um, of course, we'll have the super in-depth thing on this one tomorrow when we go into it, we had a course we had never seen up in Canada. We had a course we had never seen for this one. We have seen this course since 1984 for this tournament. So we do have good course history here. We do have an idea of how this is going to play. And unlike last week where you could feel that it was dead out there on this course, outside of the waste management, this is probably the the best party atmosphere out there on tour. So it's going to be, it's going to feel, look, and everything very, very different. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, uh, you know, it's the Travelers Championship now, but it'll always be the Ken and uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Greater Hartford Open to me. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that'll be, uh, you know, interesting to see that, that that this is, you know, a really, really stacked field, despite the names that you mentioned that are not going to play. Uh, in terms of form, uh, you know, there are some guys that have a, a, a very good form here. Uh you know, Bubba Watson, of course, on another tour now. So he's not in this field. He's always a form guy that's almost like you bet him at any price and he's going to be in the mix. But the defending champion was uh, is uh, Xander Schauffele, uh, who won here last year and uh, really didn't have. He had a couple top 20s here, but had a couple missed cuts as well. So you get some erratic form here. Uh, Xander Schauffele uh, did defeat Sahith Thigala, 
last year. Sahith was a uh, second. Uh, previous winners, Harris English, uh, Dustin Johnson, Chaz Rebia, Bubba, uh, Jordan Spieth, who you mentioned is skipping. So you get a wide variety of players of the guys mm-hmm. I just named. You get some bigger hitters off the tee, and then you get some like shorty, slappy ball strikers like a Ches Reeve or like a Ken Duke. So this is a pretty open event in terms of the type of player can win. It's a par 70 at about 6,850 yards. Uh, uh, Pete Dye renovation uh, in 1982. So, yeah, this is kind of a quirky little course. Only two par fives. Uh, scoring here typically is going to be in about the mid-teens, anywhere from like 13 to 17 under. I think Xander was 19 last year. But, uh, yeah, wide open event. Always a little bit tricky to predict because it is after a major championship. And then this is kind of the last big event on the PGA mm-hmm. Tour until they go over and I, I maybe either just practice or play the Scottish Open before the Open Championship over at Royal Liverpool. So this is kind of like the last big event uh, heading into the next major. So this is one where I will probably have some mid-price to some bombs on here, maybe one shorter guy and then a lot of mid-range. The top of the leaderboard, as you would imagine, is Scotty Scheffler. But the interesting thing here, as of the recording of this, guys, we're doing this on, on Monday morning. Things change, obviously. But your second shot is Patrick Cantlay over at DraftKings, where Rory and John Rahm are actually behind Patrick Cantlay. Cantlay at 9-1, to one, Rory and Rahm at 10-1, to one, Xander at 12, and then a big jump to Victor Hovland at 20. We will see what these odds look like as we do our full long shots preview tomorrow. I'd be, be curious to see how this moves. Wes, if you're wondering what the market has done with Wyndham Clark, 35 to one on Wyndham Clark as we sit here uh, leading into this one. Ricky Fowler also sees a big dip in his price, 35 to one as well. So people taking into account these guys playing well and look rightfully so I get it. I don't think we're going to see many more 95 to ones on Wyndham Clark, you know, or anything like that. So uh, I don't know if 35 is a buy price for me. Uh, You know, like you said, I, I think, I think probably will be not necessarily a fade for me, but probably not going to take a nibble there, but uh, right. Some interesting prices on some of the middle range guys. Fiennaut, 25, Morikawa, 25, Morikawa rallied there towards the end and ended up with a decent finish at the U.S. Open. So there are some other interesting plays out there for sure. And uh, again, we'll have our full breakdown on everything tomorrow. Uh, Wes, uh, great handicapping of this tournament as always, buddy. Glad that we were able to uh, to turn a profit here and get some some good bets in and hopefully people were uh, listening and, and, and tailing along. Cause it was good, been a good, good couple of weeks here for us. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we could keep it rolling. It seems like one of us or a multitude of us uh, have guys right there every week, uh, whether we're winning, but you know, that's the reason too, why I play several on an outright board. I never want to go too crazy, but I want to get a couple guys in position because that Mm -hmm. leads you to opportunities where it's like, okay, I can still make some money if the pre-tournament guys don't win because I can play somebody in play, whether it's Wyndham Clark at the U.S. Open, whether it's Nick Taylor at the RBC. Eventually you get to Sunday and it's like, okay, I know I've got some realistic chances to win, so I got to give a little off and give a little back to make sure I pocket something. Absolutely. Guys, uh, everything we do at this podcast is free, so please go ahead, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. If you want to give us a review, that would be awesome as well. And hey, if you want to leave a comment, even better. We do appreciate all of that stuff as well. You can go 
Uh, all of our picks after we do the pod are listed over at VEASAN.com if you haven't written them down while we're doing the audio version of everything. For Wes, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys tomorrow. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.